0: Hello oh, and welcome to What on Earth, the podcast of the Environmental Investigation Agency or EIA. In recent years, Nigeria has been revealed as Africa's main transit and export hub for trafficking elephant ivory, pangolin scales and other wildlife, but now the country has taken serious steps to address the problem. I'm Paul Newman, EIA's senior press and communications officer, and today I'm very pleased to welcome onto our podcast special guest, Wilson Agoki, Wildlife Policy Coordinator of one of our in-country partners, the Africa Nature Investors Foundation to talk about what's being planned and how effective the country's new strategy may prove to be. Joining us are EIA wildlife campaigners, Philip Regret and Justin Gosling. Welcome all, and thanks very much for taking the time to share your thoughts with us.
1: Thank you, Paul. Hi. Thanks, Paul.
0: Good to have you guys. Um, Wilson, perhaps I could start by asking you to give us a bit of background on why Nigeria in particular has become a hotspot for wildlife and forest crime and what the current situation in the country is like.
1: Oh, well, um, as you know, there is a strong link um, between uh... Uh, deforestation and the uh, high levels of uh, poaching and uh, that in turn fuels um, you know illicit wildlife trade and uh, for a long time uh, you know decades even um, that was a situation across uh, most of africa you know and that led to local extinctions of many of um, africa's um, iconic wildlife species um, so you have uh, extinctions of rhinoceroses, for instance um, african forest elephants and the uh, and I think uh, African elephants, in general, became threatened. You know, but over time, uh, I think from international pressure, um, the laws and law enforcement really started to get better um, in the southern and eastern African countries. And uh, when this started to happen, the criminal networks uh, perpetrating these crimes um, started to shift their attention to, to Nigeria. Um, to the point where Nigeria actually became the primary hope you know, for consolidation and the uh, trafficking of um, illicit wildlife sourced from um, across Africa. Um, organizations who look at this sort of crime, you know, like an uh, environmental investigation agency, you know, in several of their reports, you know, have uh, pointed out that um, the reason these, uh, these organized crime groups find Nigeria attractive um, is because of Nigeria's challenges with um, corruption and uh, also because of its rather enviable position, you know, as a um, as a transport and the finance and banking hub in the west and the, in the west african sub-region you know so the situation got really there and the evidence the evidence is really clear because nigeria's elephant population is rather small um, according to some reports um, between 600 and 700 individuals you know, scattered across the country and when you consider this um, alongside uh, side by side the the huge um, ivory seizures from the country. You know, it becomes glaringly clear, you know, that Nigeria's borders are porous, you know, uncontrolled, and that, that allows um, illicit wildlife products uh, to pour into the country from, uh, from across Africa. Um, unfortunately, compared to the scale, the really huge scale of this problem, uh, Nigeria's response uh, has been fragmented. It has been very poorly coordinated, uh, has not been proactive. You know and this has made it really difficult for uh, law enforcement action, investigation and prosecutions, you know to reach the the people who are behind these uh, criminal networks. Um, also, the the laws in general have been weak. You know and also Nigeria faces uh, general challenges you know with the uh, administration of criminal justice. and and the, 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 this has tended to um, show up when you look at the criminal justice response to this crime. You know, so, for instance, um, um, Nigeria's um, reports to it show that there were about 44 ivory seizures uh, made in Nigeria between 2011 and 2018. Out of those 44 ivory seizures, there were only three recorded convictions, and my understanding is that these people just paid a fine and walked away. <coughs> Um, In addition to that, uh, there was also a near absence of coordination and cooperation with other countries who are um, affected by this crime. Um, So, for instance, although much of the illegal ivory uh, and the um, pangolin skills trafficked through Nigeria end up in Vietnam, um, until recently there was really no effort from the Nigerian side um, to reach across to Vietnamese authorities and work with them to, to address this issue. And, and so, uh, uh, to put it in context, twenty-one percent of ivory, all ivory moving from Nigeria to uh, from Africa to Vietnam, originated from Nigeria. And you know, and despite that, there was no cooperation between Nigeria and Vietnam. Um, the same is the situation with uh, Nigeria and other neighboring African countries like Cameroon and Gabon, and uh, from where this illicit, uh, you know, ivory um, wildlife products are, are sourced. Thank you.
0: So do, do you think it'd be a, a fair summation to say that um, when enforcement efforts improved in, in other African countries that um, wildlife traffickers saw Nigeria as a bit of a softer touch somewhere they might find it easier to do business? And obviously that's, that became a problem of itself, yeah?
1: Yes, that's, the main, that's part of the challenge um, because they were sort of looking for the easy way out and that, that was the opportunity for them.
0: Excellent stuff. Oh, Philip, um, last August, um, EIA and the African Nature Investors Foundation, or ANI for short, um, jointly released the report, Combating Wildlife Crime in Nigeria, an analysis of the criminal justice
2: legislative framework. Could you tell us how that came about? Sure. Thanks, Paul. Um, So something that's really important to understand and that Wilson kind of hinted at is that Nigeria is essentially the wild west of wildlife trafficking uh, on the continent. And this is a result of many factors Wilson was discussing, including corruption and porous borders. However, based on our engagements over the last few years with government officials and other relevant stakeholders in Nigeria, we really believe the primary challenge in the criminal justice response is a lack of understanding of essentially, you know, the laws and regulations that already exist that would be relevant or useful to prosecuting wildlife trafficking. So when I say laws that could be useful or relevant, I don't just mean laws that are related to wildlife protection. I'm also referring to other very important laws, for example, related, related to uh, money laundering, corruption, customs offenses, organized crime, extradition, uh, and judicial processes. You know, we've known for a long time that countries find it difficult to combat wildlife trafficking and other organized crimes because of the ability of criminals to exploit weaknesses and legal loopholes, especially in the gray areas that exist where the mandates of multiple agencies kind of overlap, as is the case in Nigeria. So we wanted to carry out a really comprehensive analysis of the suite of laws and regulations, both federally and in key states, that are relevant for an effective criminal justice response, with our objectives being, you know, one, identifying existing legal tools that could be applied today to addressing wildlife trafficking, and two, identifying key gaps and legal loopholes in the current legal system and suggesting recommendations to overcome these in the future. Excellent. And what were the key findings of that analysis sure so with a lot of help from wilson on the ground in nigeria we spoke with officials from all of the relevant government agencies including prosecutors investigators judges and studied any relevant legislation we could find so first and this has become one of our main priorities following the completion of the analysis first is to review and draft an amendment to the current endangered species act at the federal level the laws relevant to wildlife trafficking are really weak especially when compared to other countries in eastern southern africa This has been progressing well and, you know, we've recently drafted a pretty significant amendment to this act with thankfully a lot of support and backing from from the uh, Minister of State for the Environment. Next, Nigeria is a federation of many states with each being a semi-autonomous political unit, but in many cases, the federal and state laws are not aligned, providing another loophole that criminal criminals can exploit. So a further recommendation is to harmonize the state and federal laws to achieve parity. Now, with respect to investigations, there's clearly a need for investigator training and standardized protocols or codes of conduct for things like seizures, arrests, detentions and interviews, particularly within customs who, as the authority who make the majority of seizures, handle most of the cases. Similarly, there's a significant need to build the capacity and really increase awareness of the issue with prosecutors and judges. We interviewed many prosecutors and judges, but none had ever seen a wildlife crime case. And so awareness of the applicable laws was was virtually nil. What else? Nigeria is well behind the global norm uh, in terms of the digitization of case files and things like central databases for previous arrests and convictions. We heard from some prosecutors that unless the accused had been sentenced previously in that particular courtroom, there was almost no chance of identifying recidivist offenders. Finally, the focus in the short term should be on making the best use of the existing legal framework using a multi-agency coordinated approach. Currently, the best laws for prosecuting cases involving large-scale seizures aren't the wildlife-specific laws, but actually customs and money laundering laws. So we need to provide support and try to encourage key agencies to work together. So I'll just conclude by saying, you know, it's really clear that the challenges to improving Nigeria's ability to combat transnational wildlife trafficking are really immense and numerous. But the key really lies in cooperation between the various agencies, increased awareness of the scale and nature of this issue, and significant revisions of the Endangered Species Act.
0: Well, thank you very much indeed for that, Phil. That's a very comprehensive look into it. Now, following on from that report, Nigeria, I understand, recently launched its first ever national strategy to combat wildlife and forest crimes. Wilson, what makes this strategy a a significant milestone for Nigeria, and how has it been developed?
1: Well, um, as I mentioned earlier, and um, as uh, Philip also mentioned, uh, you know, when he was speaking just now, um, Nigeria has not always performed optimally uh, when it comes to living up to expectation, with its international and domestic obligations to you know uh, combat wildlife and forest crimes. So the, this strategy is, uh, is a significant milestone for Nigeria because um, it is the strongest statement yet from Nigeria that um, despite its well-known shortcomings, you know in this area that it takes its obligation, uh, very seriously and that it wants to actually tackle these crimes uh, but that is a statement of uh, intent um, it also serves as a warning you know to the, the, the criminal networks uh, who are carrying out these crimes you know and their enablers within Nigeria you know that um, the era of um, trampling all over Nigerian laws um, is over uh, in terms of development of the strategy, uh, the, the process was, uh, was coordinated by the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime, uh, the UNODC. Um, it entailed a lot of consultation and collaboration uh, with and between key government uh, and non-government stakeholders. Um, I think the idea is that these uh, consultations and collaborations uh, will continue, um, especially when uh, the document comes up for review um, after five years.
0: It seems to have taken some trouble to be very inclusive, to be getting as many voices from within the country as it needs to be credible. Is that the case?
1: Yes, yes. Um, it, was, it was quite, there was a workshop. Um, there were validation meetings. You know, There was really a broad-based uh, effort to, to try and hear from as many stakeholders as possible. Oh, thank you for that. J- Justin,
0: if I could bring you in here, um, what role did EIA and the ANI have in the creation of this strategy?
3: Uh, well, as uh, Wilson's mentioned, uh, there was quite a bit of collaboration behind the scenes to try and get this moving. But I, I think it's quite important to acknowledge that um, sort of as the as the wildlife traffickers have, have moved into Western Central Africa, and, and that's recognised, um, so have the organisations trying to tackle it, including, of course, EIA. Um, so there's a lot of organisations now in the region uh, working to support changes in policy and legislation and enforcement on wildlife trafficking. Um, so you've got organisations like Born Free Foundation, Wildlife Conservation Society, Wildlife Justice Commission, Focus Conservation. And we try and keep in touch with all of those as appropriate um, to try and make sure we're, we're not duplicating effort and, and that we're working as collaboratively as possible. But um, as, as Wilson said, the UNODC, the UN Office on Drugs and Crime, really played quite a significant role in consulting with various stakeholders and coordinating the launch. But I think where... Um, Where EIA and ANI can contribute, particularly now, is is to try and make sure this strategy is is implemented. um, That the findings lead to something, because we we often see um, policy and documents developed. We've seen this for a long time in 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 sort of global wildlife trafficking. The key is whether or not they actually turn into implementation and turn into something meaningful. So, I think that's something we need to work hard on and and make sure this. this comes to fruition which which could take many years to come into effect really
0: as i guess it's, you can know, get the best blueprints for a car in the world but it's not going to go anywhere until you start putting wheels on it and stuff
3: exactly or well, the wheels will come off i suppose you know
0: one way or another Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so what else has EIA been doing in nigeria and in western central africa in partnership with the ANI? i gather we've got a bit of a history together
3: yeah well quite quite a lot i mean we we've, we've been pretty busy on a number of activities and i think you know if if i can sort of speak for it e- EIA. I think we're very fortunate to have ANI as our as our partner in Nigeria. Because I, I think that's incredibly important from understanding how how the country works and, and knowing the best um, local contacts, um, and, and to get that work done locally. Um, but we've, um, as as I think Philip mentioned, we, we've led the review of legislation, which is now contributing to the revised Endangered Species Act, and the work to try and drive that through is is ongoing, like right now, um, and we hope that will become law in the not too distant future. Um, in February, we held this capacity development and roundtable event for investigators and prosecutors and judges, and that helped, I think, them to understand the challenges of wildlife trafficking. Um, in some cases, um, they, they'd never heard uh, a case relating to wildlife trafficking, um, so and 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 there was definitely a situation where they just didn't appreciate why this was even important. Um, so, so that really helped with that. But I think also, likewise, it, it helped us to understand the needs of, of those um, key implementers in the country so that we can, you know, going forward, we can look at what they need. Uh, so we're now planning some work in Nigeria to develop um, skills of key agencies in financial investigations um, using specific anti-money laundering techniques against wildlife traffickers and get national agencies and the banking sector to work better together on financial investigations to combat wildlife trafficking. Um, and then um, the EIA intelligence and investigations team um, is working almost round the clock to, to gather in, information and intelligence on wildlife trafficking and where, where appropriate, we'll pass that information to um, specific agencies to to act upon or, or or to or to look at and develop their own investigations into persons of interest. So, um, and some of our work is is leading to prosecutions, and we're trying to monitor those to to, to try and make sure they come to a successful conclusion as well. So, there, there's a lot going on. Um, that that's that's just a, a bit of a snapshot, but there's a lot more going on in the in the background and, and planning for the future as well. That sounds really encouraging. Um, Wilson, from your perspective, how
0: important are local partnerships when it comes to tackling issues as, as potentially massive as transnational wildlife and forest crimes? I mean, these are crime streams that are worth many billions a year. Um, I presume there's some advantage uh, to be to work in with other organizations from other countries.
1: Yes. Um, just um, I mean, this draws from what Justin just said. It's not just about um Having policies, you know, and documents and writing is all about implementation. And uh, this is where local partnerships, you know, with Nigerian NGOs like uh, ANI uh, play a crucial role because uh, they are on ground. Um, They do a lot of work to hold um, their government accountable, you know, and ensure that the government lives up to its obligation uh, to combat wildlife and forest crime. Uh, and if this strategy is to be viable and actually translates to something that uh, you know, uh, yields fruitful results in terms of combating wildlife and forest crime, um, it must continue, it must enjoy the support and constructive engagements of NGOs and, the, and other local uh, uh, champions. Uh, secondly, uh, local partnerships are, are also important because, you know, as a document, the docu- this is a first national strategy document for Nigeria. So, really, there are there are, there are no baselines. Um, understanding of the crime is still very poor, very weak, and and so the document itself um, acknowledges that one of the first key steps uh, will sort of be to to gather and, and analyze data, you know, to understand the crime, you know, to set baselines for implementation. Um, and, you know, we, you have different agencies, you know, working on different aspects of this crime. Uh, so it's essential now that, um, you know, the local partners and everyone else come together, you know, and share their records uh, and ideas, uh, you know. And then it's also really important uh, to pool resources to ensure that the, the strategy is implement, properly implemented uh, because um, wildlife crime is quite a dynamic and complex crime. Uh, that requires a lot of um, extensive you know if you like multi uh, disciplinary or multi sectoral resources um, both within and outside nigeria to tackle uh, effectively uh, so no, no one organization within nigeria can can you know by itself you know mobilize and deploy uh, the full range of resources uh, that are necessary to to actually combat this crime you know, so for instance to give example of the government agencies why nigerian customs um, play a very crucial role you know in detecting and uh, disrupting wildlife trafficking you know especially at the borders uh, they don't have the mandate or resources you know to carry out the sort of financial investigations you know that you would need to actually uh, identify and dismantle the criminals who are, who are committing these crimes
0: you've You've touched already on on a couple of aspects that are like key challenges when it comes to implementing this strategy, the the need to have a very clear picture of what's on the ground, et cetera. Um Are there any other key challenges you would anticipate face Nigeria when it comes to putting this strategy into practice?
1: well the the first uh, the first and most significant one is, uh, it's the issue of uh, uh, the legislative framework, which which uh, you know Philip has already spoken about. Um, it's it's enough that the national strategy uh, provides for multidisciplinary national stakeholders forum, you know, an operational task force, uh, you know, that will sort of be the implementing arm for the strategy. Um, but then they have to still work with the you know, uh, legal framework uh, that remains weak, you know, and inconsistent, and which tends to hamper cooperation, you know, and breed unhealthy rivalry, you know, so unless uh, these these laws are actually, the laws are actually harmonized, and some of the, the, all the recommendations, really, you know, of the legislative uh, analysis. Uh, which EIA and ANI carried out are implemented, You, you it will be difficult for, for these agencies to sort of cooperate in the manner that the national strategy uh, envisages. Uh, funding is another another significant challenge. Um, you know, most of the agencies that are tasked with, uh, with uh, implementing the national strategy are underfunded. Um, also, the activities themselves will be very costly to uh, implement. Uh, Nigeria, on its own, continues to have challenges with corruption, you know, and this can make it very difficult to mobilize the necessary resources um, it would need to implement this strategy. Uh, and then, importantly, there is also the problem of a captive breeding of endangered species, you know, which is known globally to provide the cover for criminals to um, launder illicit wildlife. Well, unfortunately, after acknowledging that captive breeding programs, you know, can be used to launder illicit uh, wildlife, uh, the national strategy goes on to say Nigeria will decide its position on captive breeding. Um, If Nigeria follows through on this to introduce uh, captive breeding programs for, you know, uh, threatened species like pangolins, um, this will clearly, you know, go against the objectives of the strategy you know, it would undermine Nigeria's fulfillment of its obligation under CITES and other, you know, international uh, agreements. And then finally, Nigeria is uh, facing a myriad of security and and economic challenges. So it remains to be seen uh, whether the political leadership of the country uh, will be willing to prioritize implementation of the national strategy, you know, when it comes to allocation of economic and uh, security resources.
0: As Justin said, this, this isn't going to happen at the stroke of a pen or overnight it may well end up taking several years um, to put into effect. But assuming optimistically that it's going to all go full steam ahead, and we're going to get what we want, what would that look like to you in a few years' time? What, what major changes would you want to see?
1: Well, again, um, Justin has mentioned is the first step is that the foundation has to uh, be right. And so successful implementation, firstly, will mean that um, Nigeria has the right kind of laws, you know, that will sort of be the foundation for a consistent and coherent approach, you know, in the work of the agencies that are actually tasked uh, with combating these crimes. Uh, fortunately, there is uh, some momentum already in this in this area, you know, because um, at the directive of the Minister of State for the Environment, uh, Sharon Ikeazo, um eia and ani you know collaborated with the federal ministry of environment you know and as uh, justin already mentioned uh, to draft you know the language uh, for legislation that can address some of these challenges and the uh, priority going forward is for us to try and uh, secure the amendment of this uh, legislation and then uh, again one of the objectives of the strategy is to um, assess you know uh, capabilities to combat wildlife crime. I think this still goes back to the issue of uh, sort of understanding the crime and drawing baselines. So th- this will uh, involve uh, activities like uh, ICCWC2 kit assessment, which uh, the UNODC uh, will be leading. Um, successful implementation, you know one of the key you know, uh, outcomes will also be when agencies begin to come forward to acknowledge um, their capacity gaps, you know, and uh, closely related to this, we also need to start seeing uh, concrete steps in terms of, uh, you know, implementation, uh, you know, to, in terms of actually addressing those capacity gaps and the uh, ANI has already, you know, started work in that area as it where it, it actually anticipated the, the strategy. And so, uh, as Justin mentioned, we, we ran a, a, a meeting in, in February this year Uh, for judges, prosecutors and investigators uh, in collaboration with the UNODC and uh, that helped to raise the profile uh, of the crime. Uh, Finally, successful implementation will mean better law enforcement outcomes and that is in terms of proper investigations, proper prosecution, you know, uh, high rate of conviction with uh, uh, commensurate uh, different sentences.
0: Okay, one final question for everyone. Um, how confident do you feel that this strategy will be able to go a significant distance towards eradicating wildlife crime from Nigeria? And I guess also, does it feature any mechanism to address problems such as corruption and um, healthy rivalries between government agencies and even the actual cost, um, as Wilson mentioned, of, of rolling it out? Perhaps, Wilson, you'd like to go first for that one?
1: Well, uh, I'm not sure that Nigeria will ever be able to completely eradicate wildlife crime. Uh, because Nigeria is still is still very much a, a country where people live, you know, directly of wildlife and forest products, you know. But you will always have people who break the laws. Um, you know, you can't. That's always going to be there. But I think proper with proper implementation of the national strategy, we will begin to see that the the um, the mandated agencies, you know, start to enforce the law, you know, and to. Prevents uh, important biodiversity from going extinct, not just in Nigeria but across uh, Africa. So effective implementation will ensure that uh, Nigeria will not—it's not Nigeria will stop being viewed by criminals as a soft spot, you know, as uh, the easy place to to go through when they want to commit this crime. Uh, so to that extent, I think the national strategy can actually. Um, bring about effective criminal justice uh, responses to, to wildlife and forest crimes, um, but as I mentioned, corruption is, a, is 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 still a problem for Nigeria, you know. And as long as corruption is not seriously tackled, uh, wildlife crime will continue in Nigeria. There are no two ways about it, you know. But fortunately, the national strategy, you know, includes some sub-objectives around this, uh, and so you have. Um, Objectives around getting the agencies, the government agencies involved, uh, to commit to zero tolerance of uh, corruption. Uh, also, one of the one of the outputs, the expected outputs, is for these uh, responsible government agencies to undergo corruption risk assessments, you know, and also implement uh, corruption risk uh, mitigation measures. I understand that the UNODC is already leading on this. Uh, on the unhealthy rivalries, you know, between these agencies. Uh, The national strategy provides for an operational task force uh, to be housed physically in a fission center, you know. uh, And my hope is that properly carried out all these objectives, you know, will be sufficient to ensure that uh, corruption and unhealthy interagency rivalries uh, don't derail the implementation of the national strategy.
0: Okay. Uh, and Justin, just briefly, um, F- Philip mentioned that the state in, of play in Nigeria at the moment is kind of a bit like the Wild West for wildlife crime. Um, how confident do you feel that um, this strategy's got the the, the the makings to make a severe dent and start taming that?
3: Um, I'm not sure confident is the word, but I, but I think we have to be Optimistic. I mean, we we've seen extraordinary um, developments in in tackling wildlife crime in other regions of of the world. Um, Southeast Asia. We've seen that in um, in East Africa. Um, you know, um, Nigeria is a significant hub for wildlife trafficking, but it's it's one of a number of countries in in Western Central Africa that that, that it's, is is uh, is facing problems. But you know, there, there's there's encouraging responses and i think this strategy is encouraging and i think we need to work together to 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 try and address that um i mean we we certainly met and worked closely with with various um representatives from national agencies and they seem um keen to work together um, you know, that, that's challenging all over the world. I mean, I've been working in law enforcement for over 30 years and, it, you know, it's a, it's a problem in, in the country I worked in, um, which is the UK, um, getting agencies to cooperate. And they've all got different roles and sometimes those overlap so they're you know, they're complicated. Um, I mean, I think this is a good opportunity to, to also, to, you know, to, for us to highlight the, the difference between, say, EIA and other organisations that are quite similar. I mean, something EIA has done since it was founded in 1984 is try to work for sustainable change. So rather than just simply tackling the symptoms of the problem, we're trying to trying to tackle the causes of it um, and, and get long-term results. So when we conduct investigations, the objective is to gather evidence that can bring about long-lasting change to to tackle the conditions that allow wildlife traffickers to exist. You know, getting seizures of dead animals and, and arresting wildlife criminals is surprisingly straightforward. Um, you know, it's not rocket science, to, to use a bit of a cliche, <laughs> um, but actually um, securing sort of sound, just convictions that actually lead to um, deterrence and prevention in the long term is much more difficult. So I think this strategy and the work that EIA and ANI and, and, and others are doing in the region are need to focus on those long-term goals. I mean we know this is urgent. We want to see quick results, but it's it's with something as complex as this in, in a challenging uh, region, those results are going to take a long time, so we, we got to, we got to be realistic. But we've also got to focus on where we're going to get, um, you know, long term strategic change rather than quick hit results. And, and I think that's where we're all working together on that.
0: Indeed. Well, I hope um, you'll um, come back down the line some point and give us an update as to how things are going. Um, in the meantime, Wilson, Philip, and Justin, thank you very much for joining us all today. Thank you.
3: Thanks. Thanks a lot
0: now if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast please watch this space for future episodes and check out our website at eia-international.org to find out more about our work thanks very much for joining us today and wherever you are stay safe out there